Welcome back to the Streaming Water Podcast. I'm your host, Blair Corning. And this episode uh, is a little different. It was recorded in front of a live audience of water and wastewater chemists at the annual Rocky Mountain Water Quality Analysts Association Symposium, which was held in Estes Park, Colorado. So in this uh, episode, I asked a panel of lab managers a variety of questions related to their jobs and, and their laboratories in general. Uh, so I hope you enjoy the show.
I work in the work lab there. I've been there for about 10 years. Prior to that, I worked at a wet lab, so I've been in the industry for about 15 years now. My name is Natalie Love. I am the former lab director at GEI Consultants, and I'm now the water quality regulatory lead there. And I've been in the industry for about 20 years doing all sorts of different water quality related stuff. All right, thank you. Seems like you're well qualified for this panel. Uh, first question, and I'll give this one to Natalie and uh, Rich. Can you talk a little bit about, maybe go a little bit more, how you got into the laboratory uh, business? You know, how what, how'd your journey get you to where you are right now? All right, so I was actually pre-med in college, and after a couple of really, really awesome ecology classes, I realized that pre-med was not what I wanted to do, so I dropped that my senior year, and basically was done with school, had no clue what I was gonna do with myself, and so I stumbled upon a job for bug picking, and so that was my very first job. I went bug picking. Bug. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, picking out macroinvertebrates from strain samples, and my parents were like, what are you doing with yourself now? And um, it ended up being a really awesome job, a really great entry into the lab field. Um, I moved into the wet lab from there and just kind of kept going from there, so it was a really great start. Rich, how'd you get Yeah, thanks. That's, uh, well, it's been a little while since I've been in the wastewater industry, so I have to use my memory to get back how we got in there. Um, uh, I graduated um, with a degree in, um, a master's degree in environmental science from uh, CU Denver, and I actually didn't want to go into a wastewater lab. I know that's very surprising, everybody, that's everybody's first career choice, but I wanted to do something a little different. I actually wanted to work in acid mine drainage, and I uh, was looking for a job, and I was you know looking at some startups in that kind of industry, and, um, was, I was excited to go um, start with them. Um, my wife uh, wanted me to get something more of a steady paying job, and she used the fact that we had a new baby for that argument. And so um, I ended up applying um, for a couple wastewater labs, which um, just seemed to be what popped up. Um, applied at, uh, at the time Metro Wastewater Reclamation District, which is now Metro Water Recovery, and um, you know, with my master's degree, and, uh, you know all all the theses I've done and everything. I was like, all right, this is this is you know, I'm gonna get this job at least, no problem. And um, they did not select me. <laughs> and so so I looked for a job for another couple months, and then another position came at Metro. They came, and um, possibly based largely on the fact that they didn't change the uh, interview question very much. <laughs> And it's uh, you know it's really been a great job. It's a great industry to be in. It's it's lovely and how steady the work is and how interesting it is. Nice, thanks. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. You don't hear many people who come out of high school or you know grade school say I want to work in a wastewater lab. I want to test sewage. You know, but it's a good gig. I uh, I had a similar experience with my first job in the water. Actually, they hired this guy named Todd before me. I didn't get the job. And Todd didn't work out, so they called me like two or three weeks later. <laughs> Todd didn't work out, he went to job. I didn't about Todd for the rest of my career there. Todd, Todd was the first choice. You know? <laughs> yeah. All right, let's talk lab tests. Uh, favorite lab test. I hope you, uh, you probably have a favorite right now this long in the business. So uh, let's give this one to Adele and Natalie. What's your favorite lab test? 
when I was looking at that question, I was like, that's a good question. But my favorite lab test, I would have to say, is running metals, because that's what I've done the most. And I've learned to listen to the mass spec, and we have this relationship where we're like, we're going to have a good day today. <laughs> Hopefully. But metals have a six month hold time, so if they don't, it's like, whatever, we'll try again tomorrow. <laughs> um. My favorite analysis is the analysis that is the greatest analysis of all time, which is beauty. <laughs> I wasn't going to answer this question, but I have to say Kellogg. I feel like I should say wet testing because that's what I've done for so long, but um, dealing with those organisms is one of the most frustrating things on the face of the planet. Unless it's not in good, yes. Um, so I think I would say chlorophyll just because it's fun. You get to do like an extraction like component and then you get this cool green color and then you get to read it in the spec and they're different wavelengths and like with acid, without, I don't know. It feels very science-y, so I like it. All right, that's, uh, that's good. You get bonus points, Melissa, if you can spell Caldon. Can you spell it? Um, K-J-E-L-D-A-H-L. Oh, is that right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this next question. Uh, my favorite, I gotta go with BOD too, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's the most beautiful of all the tests, you know? Uh, it makes absolutely no sense. It makes sense. <laughs> if it works, you're like, ah, it's all right, this next question, this is uh, Natalie and my personal favorite. We kick this around at the conference sometimes after a few too many beers, but uh, I don't know how this question got started, but the question is, if you were a tiny little man and you wanted to take a nap in the lab somewhere, where would you sleep? <laughs> so uh, everyone can answer this one. I love this question, but I never have a good answer for it. Um, I think I would sleep in, we have Artemia cysts, these little brine, they hatch into brine shrimp, they're little tiny balls. I think it'd be like nice and cozy to snuzzle down in there, so I think that's fine. <laughs> we have a room in our lab, we call it Salo's room, where we have all our ovens, and it's always super warm in there, and every time I go in there, I get kind of like sleepy, and I'm always cold, so I probably would be in the Salo's room to stay nice and warm. Does sound good. Like inspired by um, the Westminster Lab, I might just like put a couple blankets in a little drawer on the bottom. <laughs> I too am perpetually cold, so I would go where the incubators are, either in the solid room or when the mass spec is running, it kicks out a lot of heat as well. Nice. I I always have this like glass glass fiber stuff, I can't remember what it's used for, but it's like glass fiber wool. It's all soft and nice, and I'll put some of that in there. <laughs> all right, back to some more questions. Uh, what's the craziest sample uh, that you ever received? Melissa. We'll give us one to Melissa and uh, Rich. I, I think that food waste samples are way nastier than any human waste samples. So I've gotten some food waste samples that had like a DO of 0 0.04 and were just crazy. Like we open the bottle and you could hear it screaming for like oxygen. Um, and I, as a mine drainage, I actually have a picture of our pH meter with a negative pH, which I thought was pretty cool. I didn't know you I didn't either until I did it. I had to take a picture. Oh. 
Yeah, in space water, so you're gonna get some sick, um, some sick samples. But uh, the one that sticks out for me actually is ducks. We um, unfortunately had some ducks that were dying on the plant during a deep freeze, um, and they were getting, uh, they were dying in the uh, secondary effluents, and so we actually were gonna look for some surfactants and some things like that uh, might affect them. But uh, it turned out it was just, it was too cold for them. But uh, yeah, that was. Uh, we did have a freezer full of ducks for a while. <laughs> I think mine, uh, I just work at this place called Commercial Testing and Engineering. Now I think it, it switched to SGS and now, I think it's still SGS. But anyway, we got these samples in there from like Oak Ridge Labs. And I opened them up and like made the hair on my neck stand. And I was like, what are these, man? Are these like, I don't know. I can't remember even run them for it. I was just like, I'm not touching them. <laughs> I'm not touching them. All right. Uh, where is the future of uh, laboratories headed? We'll give this one to uh, Adele and Melissa. Where do you think labs are going in the future? What uh, big changes do you see? Well, I see the labs, water and wastewater labs, are trying to adapt to all these new regulations. So it's a matter of deciding what you need to do and are you going to do it yourself or are you going to send it out? So you have this cost analysis that says it's cheaper to do it in house. So cheaper to send it in out. Uh, what labs are able to do this otherwise? Because um, we're all trying to fit into that, making sure compliance is key. So we have to be compliant first, then all the other that stuff. Um, also reducing costs, so getting rid of some of the stuff if you've been running data that no one looks at and you stop doing it and nobody ever said anything, that's a good thing because you save the money on those analysis. <laughs> I think I would say I would see labs growing, so our regulations are only increasing, not decreasing, and so I just see us adding more staff, adding more analyses, and then of course, getting lower and lower, which is not necessarily my favorite thing, that's why I'm wastewater, but it seems like the trend is being able to see lower and lower, and I think our responsibility from lab's perspective is to make sure that that lower and lower is actually realistic and not ridiculous. Good, thanks. Yeah, I was thinking that day, it's like when I started, I remember doing things like parts per million, and now it's like parts per trillion, parts per quadrillion. I'm like, well, I don't even know what's after that. Um, okay, we'll just go down the, down the row here. How many PHs do you think you've run in your career? <laughs> I'll give you a couple seconds to compute. Okay, that's long enough. Um. That's hard. I, I think I would estimate it at like maybe 200,000 or something like that. Well, <laughs> well, okay, maybe not. I don't know, I'm not sure. Everyone in this room has probably done a lot more than me, but what I was gonna say about pH is that for our lab, we have to pH adjust samples a lot of the time for toxicity um, manipulations, and that is the most frustrating and my least favorite of everything we ever do in the lab, because you just have to add like a little bit of acid and check the pH, and then a little bit more and check the pH, because you don't want to overshoot, and it's like the most tedious, I, I hate it, it's my least favorite. I have no idea how many pages I've run in a lifetime. I really have no clue. Um, but every time we have a little counter. I know, right? I did at one time from a wet lab calculate how many fish I had killed over my lifetime. It was pretty astounding. I don't remember that number, but it made me feel bad. And do something nice for the environment that weekend. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I don't, despite how long I've been in a 
lab and still a PhD. I probably need around like 200. <laughs> 200 you, can, you, can, you can be in the lab and not run PH, I guess. Well, if you count meters, stress. Ah. Uh, yeah. stress in yeah. there. Yeah. So I'm going to just pull that number out of the air and say 6,276. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, who thinks they did the most PHs in this room? Raise your hand. Nobody? You guys like the chalk? All right. I'll buy that. <laughs> Uh, next question, what is the oldest instrument that you are still using? I uh, will give this to Melissa and Rich and whoever else wants to chime in. Oldest instrument you're still using? Well, I don't know about instrument, but the oldest test I'm still doing is we do, it's my favorite, old school kettlebells where we have the big boss tubes, copper sulfate, boil it, turns pretty blue color. And I know we'll someday get rid of it, but I really like doing it because I feel like close to the hell else. No, I don't put them that up. Natalie? No. Um, we have an old centrifuge that I don't know how, I mean, I have no idea, but it's so old. And every day I'm like, this thing's going to break any second, but it keeps hanging in there. I'm not going to this um, we, have a, we have a really good. Um, equipment replacement schedule, so um, I'm pretty happy about that, but I think the most interesting old uh, analysis that we used to do was when we had liquid chlorine coming in for our disinfection, which we switched to PAA in the last couple of years, but we used to do a two point uh, analysis on that, was, which was kind of cool, outside the normal life stuff, and low tech. <laughs> The oldest thing I believe we have, we have some old Orion meters that we use for ammonia. Those things are probably pushing 30 years. And I know that if you get new stuff, it lasts about five to 10 years. So if you have old stuff and it's working, hold on to it. <laughs> it, is, it is budget time, you know. <laughs> I remember, uh, this is like old timey stories, but when I used to be on these, it didn't have the digital. It had like a little needle and it would like, have to watch the needle, I hated that. We don't use that anymore. Uh, all right, next question. Uh, how often do you try new things in your laboratory? I know the lab is like, you do the SOP, you go by the book, things don't change very fast, but how often do you try new things, Adele? So if I see someone doing something that I don't do and it seems efficient and new, I'll steal it. We can, of course, rewrite the methods. Um, but I'm one of those, if it's not broken, I'm trying to fix it type of people. So I'm like, if it's going well, let's just go with that instead of trying to break it. <laughs> um, we're trying to um, do a few things in our lab. One is which to, is to decrease our turnaround time so that, you know, for the benefit of our operations group and the engineers that are working on improving our processes, that they can get that data um, in a more realistic time. So we're trying a few different methods that uh, are a little bit, you know, different than what we normally did. We recently, like, tried to do a total nitrogen on a hot kit, which is something that the lab would normally do. We'd normally go for something with a little more automation. Um, and we're also trying to, um, uh, have analyses for some of the different speciations of nutrients, which is coming important in the lower um, permit requirements for phosphorus and nitrogen. So, you know, we're looking at some acid hydrolyzable, hydrolyzable and some 
soluble hydrolyzed old um, nutrients there. So those are kind of our bigger changes. We're also going to start adding some more analytes to our stream uh, analyses for those. Uh, I think my team could answer this question better than me, but I feel like we try new things fairly often, but it's a balance. I, I agree with Adele, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But it's also balancing that this is the way we've always done it mindset. And so I do like to try new things, consider new methods, um, look at new methods and different things. Um, I think my city's really great about giving us the space to fail. So if you're not comfortable failing, it's hard to try new things. So they encourage they encourage us to try new things, and if you fail, it's okay because you still learn something from it. So we do try to try new methods or new techniques or different things in love fairly often. I like that. That's cool. Um, I would say we're kind of the same as a lot of these other answers, like a mixture. I mean, we're locked into EPA methods for wet testing and some of the other things, um, but definitely open to new ways of doing things that are within the method. All right, thanks. Uh, next question. Uh, what is one tip from your lab that you think would be valuable for other labs? If you got a, a special tip on how to do something or uh, something that works well, what is one tip? I'll give this to uh, Melissa and Rich and uh, Adele and Ellie if you want to shot it, you can have that too. I think this is pretty general and it sounds cheesy, but networking. So we're all doing the same things in different labs and we don't have to do it in isolation and figure out all the questions on our own. And I feel like I have a team here, so if I run out of a reagent or some test doesn't work the way I think it should, I can reach out to tons of people and be like, how did you guys handle this? Do you have any hexachrome reagent I can borrow? You know, um, so I think reaching out and forming a network, and it's not just about the socialness, which is also fun, but it's about having people that have your back and might have the answers that you don't have to figure out on your own. Yeah, I think there's a, you know, with, with new permits and also um, a lot of new wastewater treatment um, processes to meet those permits, um, there's going to be some challenges in the lab to meet those needs. And so I guess my tip would be, you know, have an open mind, be flexible, and experiment with your things um, using the scientific method. My tip is always name your instruments. <laughs> <laughs> When I went to interview with Ingrid Woods, I was like, they haven't named their instruments? I'm not coming here. And not only do they name them, they have photos, which is even a step above. <laughs> can, you, uh, can you share with some of the instruments you named? I think I should know, but I don't. So our IC is Boy George. Our DCA is Hermie. Our uh, ICP aspect is Billy, and our uh, Mantech BOD is ET, because we always have the home at first. <laughs> 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 All right, show of hands, who, uh, who names their instruments out there? Phil? All right. You have names for your stuff? <laughs> you have Sam and what Sean. Are we <laughs> wanted other names. Names of the instruments? Yeah, okay, what are the names? So for those who raise your hand, what are your instruments' names? Yeah, go ahead. We have a seal. I just did method development on, and her name is Harper. Oh, oh very nice. Harper the seal instrument. All right, anyone else want to share their instrument name? 
That always must be dirty. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Everything's named after a Harry Potter, Potter character. Okay. Incubator. It's 25, 25, 25, 25, which is a little better for me. And that BOD incubator's got that little BOD stank to it. 
Because that kid that hid in the boat at the end, it got shot about, I don't know, 50 or 100 times and he survived, so I'd sleep in our boat. <laughs> oh, that's morbid. That's good information. If you're ever running from bullets, get in the boat. <laughs> Alright, anybody else? Alright, you got one? Okay. Hi, I'm Michaela, and I just want to agree with Michelle that I used to be a mess with my one true love. I'm glad you made that commitment public. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let's all just declare our love for our favorites. I think that's good. All right, well, I think uh, we can wrap it up here. This will be on my AC Streamwater podcast. You can find it. I'll try to post it tonight. I probably won't edit it much, so it's not going to be too, uh, too clean. But take a listen. Uh, there's other episodes on there about different things related to Colorado water. And if you have ideas, I'm kind of on that show topic. So uh, if you have ideas, email me at streamingwater.com. Or what is it? Streaming, this is why I don't get emails. Streamingwater.com. Email me there with ideas. Or if you want to be on the show, you got something cool to talk about related to water, I'd love to hear it. And uh, do an episode with you. We do it over Zoom or get together at the. Uh, the local uh, bar, whatever you want to do, that's up to you. But uh, thanks for uh, listening and thanks for uh, participating and uh, have a good rest of your day. Thank you, panel. Thank you, I forgot to thank the panel. Thank you, panel. You're a great panel. And, uh,